Better up! Welcome to the special bonus episode of the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Emanuel. As you've guessed, probably from my cheesy introduction and probably the title of the podcast, uh, baseball season's coming up. Uh, we've waited a long time. The pandemic has deprived both uh, Manny and myself of our favorite sport, that is baseball, the beautiful game of baseball. Uh, and we wanted an opportunity to talk about a movie that I have not seen, Manny has, uh, generally considered one of the best baseball movies ever made. We're going to talk about A League of Their Own today, but before we get into that, Manny, can you please inform the lovely people where they can find us on social media? They can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. They can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. They can find us wherever they get their podcasts, whether it be iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Luminary, Spotify, and they can email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Cool beans. Manny, how have you been coping without baseball? Uh, I honestly, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan. Uh, it's, it's hurt. This pandemic has really fucked things up, obviously. Uh, selfishly, for me, it has prevented me from, one, being able to go to the movies, and two, my beloved baseball being played. And it honestly doesn't feel like summer. It it's it's kind of fucked up, and it's looking like we might finally get a baseball season. Well, uh, the people listening to this will know if we got a baseball season or not because we are scheduling to release this on opening day. So we are living in the past. We do not know, but apparently uh, you will. Personally, um, I think we will see baseball at least on opening day and for a little while. I will be shocked if we see a season played right through to the World Series. Uh, that would be a surprise to me. Interesting. I'm kind of with you. I, I think it's going to start. I will be ecstatic if it finishes. There's just there's going to be so we've already had so many outbreaks. We've already had uh, teams like the my Toronto Blue Jays and the Colorado Rockies and uh, a number of other teams, I think, that have had uh, outbreaks of the coronavirus in in their camps. And uh, it just really seems like a lot of risk for arguably not a lot of reward. I'm kind of uh, and. I'm not quite sure at this point how meaningful this World Series will be, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, if there will indeed be an asterisk next to it. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I do, and I don't think there should be an asterisk to, next to it. <laughs> I, while one of the things I do love about baseball is that it, I feel it truly does, while a lot of people are, a lot of casuals and a lot of people think that 162 game season is far too much i can understand why they feel that way but for me i think what it does is it, baseball is a marathon not a sprint and it truly allows the elite clubs to really find you really find out who they are because they have to do it over the course of a whole season and then while the inclusion of the wild card has definitely and the, the inclusion of the second wild card has really elevated the fun of the playoffs because of that one game playoff and stuff like that i always love that baseball allowed fewer teams 
into the playoffs because it makes the regular season mean something. Now, on the flip side, it also means that fewer teams have much to play for, you know, come the last month of the season if if that was the way. So the second wild card has really opened it up to allow more teams a chance to make the playoffs, which I can't really argue against. I do love that the wild card game is a one game playoff because it means winning your division actually means something, which I always felt that in every other sport, it almost means jack shit. Mm. Uh, you get a higher seating, which isn't that big of a deal. But in this one, it means you avoid a one game playoff to get eliminated. And I've always thought I've always enjoyed that aspect. So that being said, with a 60-game season, it's not quite the marathon. So it will be interesting that each game being played is going to actually carry a little bit more weight than it would normally. I think what this is going to do is it's not we're not really going to truly find out which teams are the, are the actual best of this year because of the shortened season, which is unfortunate. So... Every year, I like to put myself out there and I make predictions on everything when it comes to baseball, all the division winners, the two wild cards, and the MVPs and the Cy Young winners. I am rarely right, but I will toot my own horn that I did predict the Nationals to win the championship last year. (laughs) And I got it right, which I think might be only the maybe second or third time I've ever predicted the actual World Series winner have to imagine you weren't feeling so good at the midpoint last year when the nationals were dead last in the league. Sure. Wasn't I, <laughs> I was like, I'm an asshole that fell for the nationals trick yet again, yet again. Yeah. No uh, Bryce Harper. Yeah. No Bryce Harper. Uh, but it was, uh, I, I did love it. The nationals run was a, a very enjoyable one to watch that world series there. The entire playoffs last year was thoroughly enjoyable. Man, that, uh, that that Zimmerman uh, home run is, and, uh, and the Howie Kendrick uh, Grand Slam, yes. both, both going to go down in history. Yes. Yeah, it was fantastic. So I had a, I had a really great I, – I'm really missing baseball. I really feel like it just still does not feel like summer. And right now it is – it's July 15th. We should be in smack dab. This would be – Should be in the All-Star break I was right gonna, now. But I'm like, this is the All-Star break for Christ's sake. <laughs> And and nothing. So I, I'm really missing baseball. It also doesn't help that because of the pandemic, I don't I'm not getting to play softball either. Oh man. Yeah. So I, I'm really, really missing everything around in in what my opinion is is the greatest game on earth. Uh what I was more so getting at with the asterisk, by the way, was not even that it's a shortened season, which some people may argue cheapens it a little bit. I wouldn't. Uh, but I'm concerned at this point that the World Series, if if the trophy, if that hunk of metal is awarded, <laughs> uh, I'm concerned that it will just wind up going to the team with the fewest cases, just kind of as a default. That That's my concern at this point, is that it, let's just throw throw it out there that we get like Angels versus Dodgers in the World Series or something. If all of a sudden the Angels outfield decides to have a hot tub party a week before the World Series and Mike Trout is no longer in, and uh, Andrelton Simmons catches it uh, at some point, and uh, whatever pitchers they have uh, at the moment. And, oh, I guess they also have... Uh, oh, who did they just pick up? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, uh, my concern is that they're just not... If one team just loses all of its star players because of an outbreak, it won't be much of a competition, and it won't feel like much of a victory. Am I wrong in thinking that? 
I can understand why you'd feel that way. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Does it does it diminish a team's victory when the other team gets an injury, their star player gets injured and they don't get to have them in the playoffs? No. Ask ask the people when they put on that ring. Does it diminish the champ the, the fact that they're the champions? No. Yeah, but I'm not asking the people putting on the ring. I'm asking you. Yeah, I I <laughs> I, I don't think it diminishes it at all. It okay. the, this every, everyone's starting with the same type of risk going into this with the pandemic. So I, I it, it it is what it is. It sucks. I I'm just glad that there's gonna be baseball. I'm gonna eat it up. I'm gonna eat it up like a like a fucking fat kid in a fucking candy store. You and me both. All I want right now, besides a Blue Jays World Series win, is to boo the Houston Astros. That's all that I want. <laughs> uh, so for the three of you still listening, you can definitely tell that Manny and I are missing baseball just a smidge, uh, which is definitely why we wanted to review this movie. Like I said off the top, it's one that I hadn't seen. Uh, Manny, what can you tell us about A League of Their Own? Well, the movie is A League of Their Own. It was released on July 1st, 1992, directed by Penny Marshall. It was written by Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. Starring Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, and Lori Petty, has a Metascore of 67, no Oscar nominations. It had a budget of $40 million. It made 107 in the U.S. That's $195 million adjusted for 2019. So if it was released in 2019, where do you think it would have ranked in the box office, domestic box office? So what, what, did it, what did it make? 195 if it was 2019. Adjusted. Yeah, adjusted. I don't even I don't even have a guess. I honestly don't follow box office numbers too closely. All right. Do you think that would be top ten? I I would imagine it would be top ten. Top twenty? Top ten? You think it'd be top ten? It would actually. Be I, no- I would, I'd say top ten would be a reasonable place to put it. Nice try. It's eleven. <laughs> wow, I'm I'm fucking stupid. Wow. Yeah. So to give you an idea of how popular this movie was, uh, $195 million adjusted ranks it ahead of movies such as Jumanji. Hobbs and Shaw, John Wick Chapter 3, Aquaman, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow. Yeah, that's how pop- back when Back when original properties made by people not named Tarantino and Nolan could actually sell tickets. Yes. Uh, and the plot, two sisters join the first female professional baseball league and struggle to help it succeed amidst their growing rivalry. Sam, you mentioned before you hadn't seen this film. You had mentioned a couple times that you feel that this is one of the greatest baseball movies ever made prior to you watching it. What are your spoiler-free thoughts on A League of Their Own? So it's important to have some context uh, with a claim like that. Uh, I don't think you will disagree with me, Manny, as a diehard baseball fan that I know you are, that there are very few good baseball movies out there. There's just there's The best baseball movies ever made are not great films, generally. I think. Are, are we talking great as in capital G? Like great capital G, like films. Yes, I would agree that baseball the... movies tend to be fun. They tend to be a little bit escapist and just kind of about a ragtag group of individuals uh, coming together as one and overcoming adversity, usually as underdogs. That's generally your sort of baseball movie, and I think. You'll agree. And that's what we get here. We get a, a pretty standard baseball movie that I'm not saying it's like unoriginal or uncreative or bad. I'm just saying uh, we kind of get your your standard sports movie, not necessarily an underdog story, but just your ragtag group of, of people coming together as one. Like you could you could substitute 
you could switch the title of this and Major League, and uh, and very few people outside of the baseball fandom would notice. I think. Uh, so I like A League of Their Own. I thought I thought it was fun. It's a it's a fun movie with good characters, some some good uh, comedic performances. Um, I particularly like the sisters have a really good chemistry, uh, Dottie and Kit. Yes. I, I like I like their play and their competitiveness. Uh, as somebody with siblings and an older brother, I can tell you that uh, I am quite a competitive person myself, in particular when it comes to competing against Nick in things. Uh, he's better than me in basically every athletic pursuit, so I was forced to get good at things like cards and chess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, Nick, Nick was always much, much, much better at baseball. That's that's just the way it is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I, I really related a lot to the to the leads in this movie. I thought it was really fun in that. Uh, it's it's not a perfect movie. I mean, uh, well, I, I guess let's talk about uh, let's talk about Tom Hanks actually, because Tom Hanks is a lot of fun in this movie. Uh, we've actually had discussions about uh, his performance in this movie before I had even seen it uh, in our Tom Hanks Hall of Fame episode, yes. where we were trying to decide if if Tom Hanks was awarded a place in like an acting Hall of Fame, what are the ten movies that would be on the plaque? That's that's sort of, I think, the, the premise that we set out. Yes. And Manny and I, I don't have the episode number off the top of my head, but Manny and I actually kind of got into it. Not not heated or anything, but we had quite a lengthy debate about whether A League of Their Own should get on the plaque over, uh, I believe it was Captain Phillips was the movie I was trying to, to campaign for. Yes. I think that's so what it came I, down to. Rest assured, Manny, I was keeping a close eye on Jimmy Dugan for this movie. <laughs> I, I was... <laughs> I was uh, I was really looking. I was trying to see what it was you're talking about. Uh, having watched the movie, I can completely see what you're talking about. Uh, first of all, Tom Hanks is completely going against type. Um, I've most of the Tom Hanks movies that I've seen are post A League of Their Own, so I know him as sort of like America's dad, the really lovable, uh, really charming. Uh, individual. I have not really seen him in this role before. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a, an, an analogous movie that you can think of that he plays really just kind of a, like a despicable piece of shit character you have like to, this. You got to go 80s. Yeah, you got you got to go back. Yeah, uh, and forward. So I, uh, I I'm not familiar with a lot of those. So I I can totally see where you're coming from with this, and uh, it it is a really fun performance and really. Uh, it stands out in his filmography as one that is unique. Uh, that being said, I think he, this is the sort of character that you are starting to see less of in Hollywood movies. Uh, in particular, in the Me Too era, I, I think you will find fewer instances of a guy like this who uh, does things like uh, driving drunk with a bus full of people, uh, kissing women against their will. Uh, you'll, you'll see that fewer in movies or you'll see that less in movies, excuse me, in particular uh, for characters where it's kind of written off as like a charming flaw, like, oh, he's a good guy deep down uh, sort of thing. I'm not saying that that makes this character unlikable or bad or unworthy of being on the Hanks Hall of Fame. I'm just saying that that is the sort of way that Hollywood is trending. Uh, all of this is a basically roundabout way of saying that I don't know whether we made the right decision because on the one hand... His performance in Captain Phillips is superb and, in my opinion, far better than this one uh, from a pure acting, capital A, air quotes, from an acting perspective. 
uh, I think his performance in Captain Phillips, I still think that is just a, a brilliant, brilliant movie uh, in particular from him. Uh, but this is just a lot of fun and it's iconic and it has that fantastic there's no crying in baseball line. Uh, so after having watched it, I don't really know. Uh, do, you, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, I got several. Wow. I'm sure you do. <laughs> uh, so for those of you wondering what we're talking about, you can go back and listen to episode number 92. That is our Hall of Fame episode of Tom Hanks. Uh, my partner here described it perfectly, is that we broke down, we went through Tom Hanks' entire filmography and picked out what would be the 10 films on his Hall of Fame plaque. And the last two that we were down to were The League of Their Own versus Captain Phillips. And I convinced Sam to go with A League of Their Own. We on have a technicality. To, on a technicality. So <laughs> it is what it is. I, while I love his performance in Captain Phillips, I just feel it is very similar to other performances he's done. While this one is quite different and it's one. And I doubt anybody will be able to quote any line from Captain Phillips, while everyone can easily tell you this line from this movie, it is well, the, the one line. The one line that people can quote from Captain Phillips isn't him. It's uh, it's I'm the captain now. Yeah, that's not his line. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. You you just solidified my own argument. Why? Not necessarily. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I l let me put it to you this way. <laughs> I can understand if anybody would want to remember Tom Hanks for this role. I, I would not stop them. Personally, I want to remember him as uh, as Captain Phillips uh, because of the brilliant performance and it's more the type of character that's in line with who he is perceived to be as a person. Fair enough. I think I think it'll just be a difference of philosophy on this one. Okay. And if you want to hear us yell about this some more, go back and listen to whatever it was, episode 92. Yeah, episode 92. Uh, it's funny as I sat down to watch and, uh, prepare for this episode, I realized I hadn't seen this movie in a very long time. And this is the type of movie that I would watch on TV fairly often. So I realized there was a lot, I didn't watch the beginning very often. I would always come in while the movie was already playing. Mm. And so as the movie was starting, it actually, I was starting to wonder, I'm like, oh my God, have I never seen this movie like, <laughs> how do I, how, how am i not remembering these but basically once they got past the tryouts then i was like okay yeah i remember everything now so what we're good it's just that i watch this movie on tv so often uh it's this movie is just fine and while a lot of people consider it one of the best baseball movies uh, if we made a baseball movie hall of fame Jeez, I don't know. Would it make would it make my Hall of Fame? For well, me? it hmm. depends. It depends uh, how many there would be. I, I do have notes on that. MLB.com did release a list of the greatest baseball movies ever. This came in at number two. What? Yeah. What's number? That, that's MLB.com. Uh, do you want to take a stab at number one? I would have to go. Field of Dreams. Old Durham. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, and Bleacher Report ha has this at number eight. Number eight all time. Number eight. Do you have the entire list on the, of MLB.coms? I don't. I can happily get it for you. Okay. Um, so the movie is – it is entertaining. The kit, uh, the kit Dottie dynamic is superb and probably the best part of the movie. Uh, Sam, you got that list for me? 
I do. Okay, let's start with number 10. Okay, I, I will say uh, I'm not expecting you to get all these. Uh, there is 25 listed on here, but let's go with the 10. Okay. Uh, okay, well then, uh, where's Field of Dreams ranked? Field of Dreams, uh, do you want the exact number? Yes. It's four. Four. Where's Major League? Major League is number 10. Jesus Christ. So then there's probably, what is Moneyball number three? Uh, no. Moneyball is number six. Okay. So every movie I've named so far is still in the top ten. Yep. I would have to guess shit. Why can't I think of the other one? God damn it. Uh, The Natural will be on there. Natural's in there at seven. Seven. Okay. So I'm still in the top ten. I would have to think. uh, I'm trying to think of another baseball movie. Oh, I would love it if the Bad News Bears, the original, is in the top 10. Bad News Bears uh, just barely misses out. Uh, it's number 11. Okay. The Sandlot's in there. Sandlot is in there at number 8. Number 8. Okay. Then instead of me fumbling around, give me the ones so, I missed. So you're missing 9, 5, and 3 from my count. Okay. So uh, number 9? Number 9 is Everybody Wants Some, 2016. Oh, I fucking love that movie. They're counting I, that as a baseball movie? Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, underappreciated when it came out a few years ago. Um, this one was most purely fun and quietly moving is what it says. I've never heard of this movie. Sam, that movie is fucking spectacular. Okay. It b- Basically, think of it as a spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused. Cool. It, Which if, I have seen, by the way. If anybody likes Dazed and Confused, watch hmm. Everybody Wants Some. It's by the same writer-director. It's by Richard Linklater. It is fucking awesome. I love that movie. Uh, Number five is 1988's Eight Men Out about the Black Sox. Jesus Christ. How did I fucking forget that one? Another brilliant movie. Okay. Uh, And I'm missing number three. Number three, I think you'll probably shake your head at, but I understand why you missed it. It's The Pride of the Yankees, 1942. Oh, shit. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yes. Sorry. Again, what was number one? Number one on this list was Bull Durham. Okay. That's hard to argue. But I, I don't believe that A League of Their Own is number two. Yeah. I'm sorry. A League I... of Their Own above – four slots above Moneyball uh, and two above Field of Dreams and eight above Major League. Uh, seems uh, iffy to me. Yeah. I, I, Honestly, I kind of made this point in passing, but I'd like to kind of explicitly make this. Uh, Major League and uh, A League of Their Own are – basically the same movie right am i am i wrong in assessing that it's just a baseball movie about a ragtag group of individuals coming together as one uh, it, that's what there, bad news there's bear, more... that's what bad news bears about that's what every sports team movie is about that's what Literally. every sports okay team, that's what yeah, the that's mighty true. ducks is about yep that's, that's fair that's what like remember the titans is about that's it's i ev- guess i guess even arguably moneyball is about that yes that's exactly what moneyball is about okay that's fair I guess uh, I've never seen Eight Men Out, but I have to imagine it's a nope. little nope. straight from that. That is Eight Men Out is the nothing like that. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's about the Black Sox scandal. Yes, you're not, supposed, you're not supposed to like them. No, it is not about a ragtag bunch of guys coming together. It is. Man, a- I, I, I've always said this for somebody who likes base for for somebody who loves baseball and loves movies. I have seen so few baseball movies. That's right. We'll That's do right. one each year. Probably gonna do Eight Men Out next year. Yeah, you'll notice a uh, 42 nowhere to be seen on this. Uh, uh, 
I'm not surprised. We did an episode on 42 way back when. It's down at the 19th slot. I can I can live with that. Just just a couple of ticks above Mr. 3000. <laughs> 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 which I which I saw in theaters with my dad when it came out. Holy shit. Okay, well, all right. Well, Bad News Bears is number 11. Give me 11 through 20. I need to know the list now. 11 through 20. Why not? Okay. Bad News Bears number 11. Bang the drum slowly 12. Never heard of it. The Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings. Easy ne- for me to say. Never heard of it. Number 13. Uh, number 14 is The Rookie. Oh, uh, okay. Sure. It's 2002. Uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Games, number 15. Take Me Out to the Ball Game? Uh, it's from 1949, an old school Technicolor musical. Never heard of it. Starring Gene Kelly. Okay. 16, Damn Yankees from 1958. You'll notice there's a number of movies from the 40s and 50s. That's how long it's been since people have been making good baseball movies. Uh, Number 17 is Sugar from 2008. Uh, Fear Strikes Out, uh, number 18. Uh, 42 is number 19. And Rookie of the Year, number 20. Jesus Christ. Okay. Not a lot of good ones. No. You haven't seen the Bad News Bears, have you? Nope, haven't seen Bad News. Oh. Of the top ten, I've seen uh, A League of Their Own now, uh, Moneyball, The Sandlot, and Major League. Okay. Maybe we should pa- tackle Bull Durham next year since it's... Yeah, I've one. not seen Bull Durham, and I've not seen, uh, I think, Field of, Field of Dreams is the other big one that I'm missing. Well, Field list. of Dreams we'll get to eventually because it's a Best Picture nominee. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that's our spoiler-free discussion. Well, most of, or some of which even covered the movie. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so let's get into spoilers for a league of their own in three, two, one. Uh, go fuck yourselves. We've already kind of pretty much talked about Tom Hanks. So why don't we just finish up our discussion on him as Jimmy mm-hmm. Dugan? He's obviously playing a fictional person. Uh, this is a f- kind of a fictional retelling of the actual All American Girls Professional Baseball League. It's like Dottie and Kid are not real people. They're based on real people. Uh, Jimmy Dugan is kind of an amalgam of a bunch of people put together. But this role by Tom Hanks is fun. It plays against type of the usual Tom Hanks role that we're used to. Now, at the time, it wasn't that different from a lot of things he's done. He hadn't quite done up the personality. He still hasn't won his Oscar yet. That's next year. And then Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. And then the year after is Forrest Gump. So we don't quite know him as America's dad yet. And so this, him playing this role isn't that big of a, of a deal. But when you watch it in retrospect, it must certainly come, come, come across as a little bit more shocking to see him play somebody so different. Cause he's usually, like I said, he's America's dad. Yeah, honestly, up to this point, uh, the least pleasant person, or the least, yeah, the least pleasant person that he had played, at least in in my mind, was Woody in the first Toy Story. Because Woody in the first Toy Story, you, it's easy to forget four movies in, but Woody was kind of a fucking asshole <laughs> and a psychopath. He tried to murder Buzz. So that was the least likable Tom Hanks performance was Toy Story. That's saying something. Yes. So then seeing him in a league of their own. Uh, yeah, you're, you're correct. It was quite a shock. Nice. Uh, okay. Uh, is there anything outside of like specific scenes? Is there anything you want to discuss about Tom Hanks's performance? Uh, no, I think, I think I basically said it off the top. Uh, it's just, 
I like the performance and I like the character, but it's it's the kind of character we're going to see fewer fewer and fewer appearances of. Yep. Okay, let's dive into basically the two kind of co-leads then, and that's Gina Davis and Lori Petty as Kit and Dottie. Uh, I don't have siblings that I grew up with. I, I have four stepsisters that I didn't gain until I turned 13, so I don't have that sibling rivalry, but a lot of my friends did, and I think they portrayed a real true sibling rivalry perfectly in this movie. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm going back home to Kamloops in about a week here, and my uh, my brother and some of my friends want to play a lot of golf while we're there, and I am not a golfer. And uh, just the competitive side of me, just really, it really just wants to beat my brother. That's like all I care about, and I know <laughs> it's not going to happen because he's not a great golfer, but he's certainly better than me. Uh, and just that that's the only thing that I want. I could finish dead last. Or I could finish second last out of all of our friends, and I wouldn't care as long as I beat Nick. And I say this like Nick and I have a great relationship. He's he's, he's a great brother. I just want to beat him at everything that we play. <laughs> so I I really resonated with uh, with the sibling rivalry in this one. So you really sympathize with Kit? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I was. I mean, I'm the little. I'm the baby of three. I have I have an older sister and an older brother. Uh, so I I definitely sympathize with Kit. Uh, Nick was the athlete in the family. Uh, I was good at chess. <laughs> uh, so I, I really enjoyed uh, their performances. They, you, I truly believed in them being brother and or brother and sister. I really, I really believed in them being sisters. Despite, we didn't watch the same movie. <laughs> d- despite them not really looking much like each other at all, not a big deal. The. The one thing, though, upon this rewatch that I found really tough at the beginning is uh, the dialogue is not good. The especially John Lovitz. I remember at the time when this movie came out that people thought that John Lovitz was hilarious and a highlight of this movie. Uh, I found him irritating and couldn't wait for him to leave the movie. Yeah, and to his credit, he does. So yes. we don't have to deal with him for very long. I would put forth that if you're going to have John Lovitz in your movie, uh, this movie contains just about the perfect amount of John Lovitz. No, I would have liked I, less. I I, <laughs> I didn't find anything he said to be that funny. Yeah, he, he was just kind of an asshole for asshole's sake. He was degrading these people that he was scouting. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't love the character either. I was happy when he left and happy when he didn't come back. Um I, I got to tell you, my favorite uh, bad dialogue line is not actually John Lovitz. I'm trying to see if I can find it here somewhere. Um, oh, it's they're scouting one of the girls. The scene with John Lovitz in it, the ugly girl. Marlon and her da- Yeah, yeah. Her dad has a horrible monologue, which essentially amounts to, please don't reject my daughter from the team because I raised her to be ugly. That's he says. He says it's his fault that she's... I can't remember the exact phrasing because he raised her to, to like baseball or whatever. And her mom's not in the picture. So it's basically his fault that she's ugly. No, this is the exact quote. I know my girl ain't so pretty as these girls, but that's my fault. I raised her like I would a boy. I didn't know any better. She loves to play. Don't make my little girl suffer because I messed up raising her, please. That is just, I, I, I chuckled at that line. It's 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 a dumb line in wow. my opinion. 
I had the exact opposite reaction. I really, al- I almost cried. Really, I did. Yep. And I, th- it, it feel, it just feels like me. It, I don't know. It just, it feels. I guess it can be excused because this movie takes place in what the forties or the fifties. Yep, nineteen forty-two. Nineteen forty-two. So I guess Three. it can be excused. Whatever. It's forty-two or forty-three. Sure. I, I don't know. I, I kind of rolled my eyes at that. Like, the fact that he was raising her to like baseball, you can you can see he's like ashamed of it in that scene. And it kind of elicited an eye roll from me. I, didn't, I did not interpret it that way at all. At hmm. all. I, I Wow. I, I can't believe we're so completely far apart on this. Yeah, we are. Yeah. No, I, I, he, I interpreted it that he raised her as a boy, not as a girl. He's not a he's not ashamed that he raised her to like baseball. What he's ashamed of is that he that he knows that she's not going to get the same opportunities that her that his boys are, despite the fact that she's a better baseball player than every man that's in that scene. She's an incredible baseball player, and he's sad that because she's a girl, she's not going to get the same opportunities. That's doesn't, what broke my heart. Doesn't he begin the line, the rant with "I know she's not a looker" or something like that, or "I know she doesn't look like these girls" or something like that? Yes, that's exactly what he says. But that's what. What does that have to do about him being ashamed that she likes baseball? Well, when he says, "I raised her to be a boy" or whatever that line is, I, that's sort of the connection that I drew is that he was talking about raising her to like baseball. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Huh? Yeah. No, that scene broke my heart, and I almost cried. Really? Okay. I, I was not a fan of that scene. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I think, yeah, let's agree to disagree on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't disagree with you more. Well, uh, I'm sure you could. We've, we've had some, we've had some ugly disagreements on this, on this show. Yeah. This <laughs> one's right up there. Not in an angry way. Like it, it's, it's, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to say that you're wrong in the way that you're feeling. I just, it's, that's, just an inc- it's so incredible you're you're rolling your eyes and i'm fighting back tears but that's art manny that's yeah. that's what it is i'll tell you right now i guarantee you it's because i'm a father yeah oh i would not surprise me in yeah. the slightest i could because i did not have that reaction the last time i watched this movie yeah i mean i uh i don't have any children that i know of so i uh i, I did not get the same reaction at all yep that's that's why cuz i've i've watched this movie i don't know probably about 4 five times maybe and the other times it did not elicit that type of response and as i was watching it i couldn't believe the way it was making me feel uh kind of a head scratching decision uh not too long after that that maybe you can help me out with uh understanding uh so there's a tryout scene which i I can't remember the name of the stadium what they say it is uh shit it is harper no uh harvey harvey yeah harvey harvey Harvey. Harvey Stadium? Harvey Stadium. Like Thank that. you. Yeah, Harvey Stadium. So here's the thing about Harvey Stadium. I'm sure I'm sure you already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> any baseball fan who we've established is basically the target demographic for this movie. Any baseball fan worth their salt knows that they're shooting at Wrigley. The 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 Ivy Wall in Wrigley and just the all of the landmarks in Wrigley Field are so iconic, not to mention the fact that they're actually they say in the movie that they're in Chicago. They they're just quite clearly in Wrigley. So what I what I'm not understanding is just why not just say it's Wrigley? Like I, I what they can't just they can't just have the tryouts at Wrigley Field. Like, they, they can't just rewrite the script so that okay the tryouts are at Wrigley Field but we're going to play at this other stadium or just just say that they're playing in Wrigley. I don't know. It, it seemed it seemed very strange to me that they that they took this beautiful American landmark 
uh, well, some people will call Wrigley an eyesore, but that's a story for another time. Uh, they, they took this this American landmark and just pretended that they weren't in it. It seemed weird to me for a movie that is a tribute to the beautiful game of baseball. Okay, number one, uh, if they're they set it in the correct timeline, mm-hmm. okay. From my understanding, uh, I don't know Mr. Wrigley's first name, but Mr. Wrigley at the time was still alive, or okay. or someone in his family. So, for lack of a better word, let's just say that the 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 character's name in the movie is is Harvey, who owns Harvey Candy Bars. Sure. And Wrigley owned Wrigley Gum, among some other things. As far as I know, they don't have the permission of the Wrigley family to use that name. So they now be- – and because this is a fictional retelling of how the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League started, they can't – you can't use Wrigley in there because you now you also have to get Major League Baseball's rights to use that name and that – and the name of that field. If you set it in a fictional world where it's Harvey and they're in Chicago and they never mention the baseball team that plays on Harvey field, you don't need to get any rights. Mm. You're telling a fictional retelling of the way that this is going. So why set it in the real world, in the real world? That's all. Yeah, that makes sense. I I suppose that makes sense. It was just more so a, uh, an emotional reaction as a baseball fan. I'm just like, you're in Wrigley Field. Just say you're in Wrigley Field. I know you are. <laughs> yeah. It was just, uh, it was, um, it was confusing to me. But that does make sense, what you said. Yep. Um, well, since we're there, uh, the tryout montage at Harvey Field slash Wrigley Field, uh, loved it. And some of those girls got some fucking serious chops, especially the girls at shortstop. Yeah, you know what? Uh, that's one of the things I forgot to say in the spoiler-free section that I do have written down is... The baseball sequences in this movie, uh, the girls can clearly play. Like they, like the the baseball sequences for the most part look pretty good in my in my eyes. Yeah, uh, that's because Penny Marshall, uh, during the audition process, every girl every girl that auditioned had to be able to play baseball. That was hmm. part of the audition process. They had to prove that they put, if they couldn't play baseball, they weren't in the movie. Well, apparently Gina Davis uh, was like a high level athlete in her younger days. Like apparently she nearly made the Olympic team for archery. Yeah, uh, it's something it's something I was reading in preparation for this. Yeah, Gina Davis is a natural athlete, and she picked up. She didn't have any baseball experience, but she picked up on it uh, real quick. And a lot. Yeah, of she she are, looks like a natural out there, honestly. She looks fantastic out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and her play is pretty good too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really I really did enjoy the tryout montage. There's a lot of really great uh, baseball moments in there. The the end of the tryout montage had another scene that actually really it didn't quite get me to cry but i thought it was really well done and that's the girl that couldn't read yeah um actually i'm talking about now and i can actually feel my eyes kind of welling up a little bit i thought it was yeah weird it i thought it was really well done and we have to remember that back then in the 40s like there was a lot of uneducated women because they were growing up on farms and we're just there to help on the farm and to get married and raise kids. So they didn't have access to education or their parents or their family didn't feel they needed an education. So the look on that actress's face was amazing and really well done for such a small scene. 
yeah, I like the scene as well. Uh, one of the scenes that I like even better is uh, is a comedic scene where they're on the bus together and uh, she's being taught to read from an erotica <laughs> novel. That's that that got a really good chuckle out of me. Yeah, the a little later on, this elicited a little bit of a little bit of an eye roll, but also I'm glad that they at least acknowledged it, and that was the acknowledgement of black players with the one black lady fan throwing the ball at Gina Davis with or no sorry overthrow overthrowing it over Gina Davis and into somebody else's mitt and Gina Davis acknowledging that she had skill and then the black lady acknowledging that she sees the acknowledgement. But again, this is set in 1943, so that's four years before Jackie Robinson joined uh, Major League Baseball. Yeah, the movie fan in me was going, oh, okay, now they join the team, and this is where the plot's going to go. And then when nothing happened, I was like, oh, yeah, 1943. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, it's shortly after this as well where I can't remember the character's name. Pretty sure it's the mom with that fucking little brat Stillwell. Uh, yeah. But she writes that song that I love. I think it's a beautiful song. And I love hearing them sing it numerous times uh, at the end at the Hall of Fame. It it really, again, it tugged at my heartstrings. Um, I, I just, I, I really liked it. Honestly, I had no strong feelings about the song. Uh, it was, I, I liked that it, it came up and it was brought back. It was a nice emotional beat at the end, uh, but it didn't, like, I don't know, it didn't elicit any extreme emotional reaction from me any sort of way. Fair enough, you heartless fuck. Yeah, uh, that's me. <laughs> the, the next scene I enjoyed, uh, but again, it was uh, not a fun scene to rewatch, but well acted uh, on all sides, and that's the telegram scene where I think it's Betty Spaghetti finds out that her husband has been killed. Yeah, I uh, this this felt like a strange one to me, because on the one hand, in isolation, you're right, it's quite a good scene. Uh, but I just, I didn't feel like we spent enough time with Betty uh, leading up to this. Like, the emotional beat didn't quite hit in this scene for me, because I, I had to remember, wait, which one's this again? And, it, like, again, this is my first watch, and there's a lot of characters to keep track of. But, uh for some reason, the beat didn't quite hit for me. I think it's because I would have liked to have spent a little more time with Betty. Fair enough. It's uh, also oh no, where that's I think that's at the, that's in Game Seven. Um, the Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna friendship is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. This reminded me on how this is where Rosie O'Donnell was kind of discovered. Oh really? This is where she kind of exploded onto the scene. This is what helped launch her. Pardon me into becoming a star. Yeah, um, I, I honestly can't tell you the last time I watched Rosie O'Donnell in a movie. Is she even in things anymore? Not anymore, no. I, not to my knowledge, at least. Yeah. Because she was, she was a, a relatively big star uh, through the 90s and early aughts, right? Yeah, she was. And I don't know when it turned on her, but she uh, she had a, a, a pretty good run. Yeah, she had... Yeah, she had this, then she went into Sleepless in Seattle. She was in uh, a, a sequel to a Stakeout called Another Stakeout. I'll Do Anything. The Flintstone, she got a big role as Betty Rubble. And then, uh, yeah, and then she 
kind of looks like the 90s. Yeah, she was still doing it in the 90s. Lots of TV appearances. I think it's in the late 90s when she got her TV show. Yeah, I think that's right. And then, yeah, it looks like a lot of, uh, a lot of other stuff. But, yeah, she, she, this, this was kind of her, her introduction to the scene, uh, onto the scene. And she was great. I liked her as a little comic relief. She has a really great rapport with Madonna. They have, uh, they became friends on set and have remained friends to this day. Uh, there, uh, it's Rosie O'Donnell, right? Who has a really, really over the top. I think it's a Brooklyn accent. Yes. Uh, I, I don't mind it. I mean, for the, for the kind of movie that they're in, uh, just kind of uh, some cheesy fun. I, I don't mind, uh, going a little bit uh, out there with the accent, which she definitely does. Yes. I loved her in the last game talking shit from third base. Yeah. Um, we're, we're kind of zipping through the movie, which is fine. <laughs> I have I mean th that's that's sort of what I mainly felt about this movie though is it's when I was comparing it to Major League uh I guess what I was neglecting to really say is that it kind of just feels like a couple loosely tied together vignettes like there's there's a bunch of vignettes which are these fun little scenes of of the players interacting and doing these funny things together and getting into fights and getting into arguments and and talking about their lives, and then there's sort the plot is almost sort of secondary to to these comedic moments. I don't know if I'm alone in feeling that, but do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I disagree, mm. but I, I understand. That, all I'm saying is that's the comparison I was trying to draw to Major League earlier. It's sure. The same sort of similar style. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have much else in the movie I want to discuss, with the exception of the game of Game Seven. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I have a baseball note, uh, which is uh, just so, leading up just before that. So do I. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, something that kind of bothered me, but I can explain away if I try, uh, is Gina Davis. When uh, when she's sort of taking control of the team, when uh, Jimmy Dugan is just kind of sleeping in the dugout at the beginning, he doesn't really care. What really wakes him up is that she's trying to run a squeeze bunt uh, with her best batter up. Yes. And uh, what bothered me about it is that Obviously, you and I know that that's a bad move. And if Gina Davis is the great baseball player that she's reported to be in this movie, that's out of character for her. No. To be Did you? She gave. She gave a reason why she wanted to do it. Which is? She says she's like they. The other team knows that Marla's the, their best hitter, so they have the in. They have the infield back. She's like they're playing deep to 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 give them more time and more space to get the ball. She's like, they won't be expecting it. That's uh, why I, that... I, I must have missed that. That's a reasonable, reasonable answer. Yeah. In the, in the, in the nineties, or I guess even in the forties, that definitely would have been a good enough reason. A hundred percent. 100%. In the modern game, uh, that shit won't fly. No, you, you, got, you, can't, you can't be taking the bat out of the hands of your best hitter. But uh, yeah, I, I must have missed that line. Yeah. He, he, she, he, she says that immediately. Like, like when, when mm -hmm. he gets up, which actually leads to a, a fantastic scene where they're both sending signals to Marla and she's yeah, dancing in, in a box. It's, it's a really great comedic moment from the and two she's of them. super confused and panicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun moment. That's a great one. Uh, I have a, I have a much, a much more baseball nitpick, but it's, okay. in, it's in game seven. Sure. Oh, it's, I think I might know what you're saying, but go for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's the top of the seventh, which 
for the women's baseball, that's the last inning in regular baseball. It's the top of the ninth. You Ooh, have regular baseball. Oh, we catch some flack for that one. Regular baseball <laughs> is nine innings. I'm sorry. I, I don't know baseball that only goes seven. Women's apparently. Women's apparently. I maybe does does college does college baseball only go seven innings? Uh, I think college goes nine. Yeah. So I, I think I, college goes nine. I don't know what to tell you. Every other baseball I know goes nine. So women only go seven. Hey, women's tennis is only is only in the in the in the grand slams are only three sets. Men's is five. Yeah, that's true. Right? If it goes to if it goes to uh, if it goes to a third or a fifth set, yes. Well, it's a be- it's a best of five in men's and women mm-hmm. is best of three. So I don't know what to tell you. Whole other discussion there. Yeah, <laughs> just telling you the way it is. So what, what happened in the seventh, Manny? Okay, there's two outs. Gina Davis is at the plate, who is arguably the best player on the team. It's her or Marla, Marla Hooch. You have runners on second and third with two outs. You are not pitching to her. You are walking yeah, you, you her. Got, you've got a free base. You have an yeah. open base. You are walking her. Do we know where Marla is in the order? I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. Like, you'd rather, you'd rather put the force on. Right, because then you have yeah. a force at home. Yeah. So it and is, you, I, I can't remember what the score was, but you don't care about that third runner, right? They were – no, you don't care. Ah, uh, shit. What was the – were they up one nothing? Because she scores – Yeah, because if, yeah. if it was if it was like 3 nothing, let's say, you don't want to put the tying run on, I guess would be the argument. That's right. So yeah. they were either up one nothing. They're up one nothing because mm. – they go ahead into the bottom of the ninth because of her hit. Right. She gets a single up the middle, scores the two runs, they're up 2-1. So Gina Davis, like, you you put that runner on. You put that runner on. It is a, an absolutely atrociously bad managerial decision. If, if Barry Bonds can be intentionally walked with the bases loaded, uh, Gina Davis can be intentionally walked with a, with a free base on first. Yes. So that's that's my baseball nitpick. I thought you were gonna go with uh, with Kit's play uh, as she's as she's rounding third. Oh, running uh, through the stop sign. Yeah, oh, I've seen that a, mil- a stop sign. Ball already in the infield. I get that it's the emotional beat. You want to have that final conclusion, sister versus sister, uh, at the plate, and she gets. We get to have that moment of her bowling the catcher over back when you could do that. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that if this doesn't work, she is getting chewed the fuck out for blowing through that stop sign yeah the game's still tied though that's true it just feels like an unnecessary risk it is an unnecessary risk so which she she wants it's game seven of the world series yep which leads me to the next question okay did Dottie drop the ball on purpose you know at first i thought that she did and i didn't really like it but having a Having a competitive relationship with my sibling, I I would never let Nick win. I don't let anyone win at anything ever. If if you if for anyone listening to this podcast, if you ever beat me at something, which seems likely when it comes to the field of athletics, <laughs> if you ever beat me at anything, know that I did not let you do that. No matter who you are, no matter what our relationship is, no matter what the scenario, I did not let you win. You you won. So I, from my personal experience, I would choose to believe that Gina Davis just got bested. That's that's my interpretation of it. I don't know if you have a different reading on it. I do. I think she dropped it on purpose. <laughs> of course you do. 
Do you, uh, do you have evidence to back this up? Nope, I have none. I have okay. no that's, evidence. That's fine. It's a feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. And I, I, when I originally thought that she did drop it on purpose, it was because of that look that uh, her and Tom Hanks share. He, he almost gives her kind of a knowing look, like, like yeah, okay. <laughs> you can drop it. Yeah. I, I And, I mean, the the character arcs up until that point do support uh, her dropping the ball on purpose, like uh, her wanting the best for Kit and her the Kit constantly living in Dottie's shadow mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, the love that Gina Davis would feel would certainly be a reason and would be justification for her dropping the ball. I just don't think that that overrides the competitive nature that we've seen in both these women. I think it. I, I think it does. Okay. And when it comes when it when it comes to when it comes to women, and I mm-hmm. think what I think the reason it shows I think the reason it goes that way, is, I I get it. Remember, Dottie goes out to the pitcher and says, "Give her the high heat." Because she can't lay off the high fastball, and they get an O two O two count on her, and then she hits the high fastball, and Kit gets a moment of tying the game, and then as she's running around, I think Dottie's like, "I'm I'm gonna give her this moment, and it's easy for me to do because I can just drop the ball, because I I don't know the shot looks like it's sitting in her hand and then rolls out, not not exploding out of her hand." If uh, if she was hit, I don't know. It's just my interpretation, but uh, we won't get an answer. Uh, it'll be uh, again. That's the beauty of art. I think we can yep. look at it and both make cases for why we're right. But I personally, I, I think the competitive nature overrides all. But that's just that's just my opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that's pretty much most of the stuff I want to talk about when it comes to this movie. Yeah, I'm looking back, and I don't see a whole lot else. I do have a shout-out to Harry Shearer, because he has a voiceover cameo uh, on one of the newsreels. Girls playing baseball? Uh, I instantly recognized Harry Shearer's voice. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out. Gotta love him. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I've got some uh, trivia and a shit ton of casting. Oh, boy. This should be good. All right. Uh, during filming of the World Series games, stars took turns entertaining the unpaid extras. Tom Hanks did puppet shows over the dugout. Rosie O'Donnell did stand-up comedy. And various actors pretended to be Madonna and sang her songs after the singer balked at performing for fans. <laughs> Classic. Uh, actresses auditioning for the film had to prove that they could play baseball. All the actresses cast in the film, apart from Gina Davis, did their own baseball stunts. None of the performers wanted stunt doubles. Gina Davis joined the production as a late replacement for Deborah Winger, a few days before filming was due to start. Davis's character was supposed to be one of the greatest female baseball players in America, and the cast had been doing baseball training for months. Within weeks, Davis had mastered the game and was regularly beating all her co-stars. There are some people who are just naturally gifted like that, and it's super annoying. It really is. I have a couple of them as my as my friends, and a couple of whom I'm going to be playing golf against next week. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, Tom Hanks gained 30 pounds in preparation for his role. He attributed the weight he gained to a nearby Dairy Queen. All during filming, Penny Marshall encouraged Hanks to keep on eating. Meanwhile, she also told Rosie O'Donnell to eat as little as possible. That Tom Hanks really just is too wholesome, isn't he? You know, always has been. Yep. Uh, Lori Petty was in reality a faster runner than Gina Davis and had to run slower while appearing she was running at full speed. Hmm. 
Uh, in the scene where Jimmy Dugan uh, meets his ballplayers for the first time, Tom Hanks comes in and goes, pee? Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't know how long uh, the peeing was going to go. Penny Marshall was in a stall with a hose and a bucket making the noise, and he had to just keep <laughs> reacting until she finally quit. That's pretty funny. I, I wouldn't be able to. It's, kudos to what a great actor he is, cause not, not breaking when yeah. he's wondering how long it's going. Uh, the film portrays the league as initially unpopular and unprofitable until demeaning gimmicks are used to attract male audiences. In reality, the league was popular and profitable from the start, largely because it played in towns in the upper Midwest that had no way of watching a live baseball game. Eventually, the league grew into a 10-team, two-division league. The advent of televised baseball games in the early 50s, however, would lead to the demise in the popularity of the league. Speaking of the cheap gimmicks, we didn't talk about the skirts. I I cringed when they introduced the skirts. Yeah. And the girls' complaints of... How am I supposed to slide in that? Oh, and we see we see a bad, I think, a road rash on somebody's thigh at one point. Yep. Ugh. Just I, I do not envy any of the women who had to play in those uniforms. I know, that right? Fucking sucks. All right. A uh, bunch of casting what ifs. Uh, to cast the movie, Penny Marshall held baseball tryouts for two thousand actresses. Even big stars were there because if you couldn't play ball, you couldn't be in the movie. Uh, Penny Marshall cast her daughter, Tracy Reiner, as Betty Spaghetti, and her brother, Gary Marshall, as Walter Harvey. Gary was cast at the last minute because Penny couldn't afford her original choice for the part, Christopher Walken. Oh, man. Uh, Farrah Fawcett really wanted to take part and was physically able to play the game, but according to Penny Marshall, was slightly too old. Brooke Shields was offered the lead female role, but after the writer's strike in 1988, Shields was written out to be replaced by Deborah Winger. However, Winger also backed out, and the part then went to Gina Davis. Uh, Marissa Torme filmed an audition tape of her playing baseball being coached by Joe Pesci on the set of My Cousin Vinny, but according <laughs> to Penny Marshall, she just wasn't a ball player. <laughs> I, I've seen that movie, My Cousin Vinny. It's I solid. love that movie. Solid movie. Two youths. <laughs> youths? Youths. Uh, Sean Young and Demi Moore were both considered for Dottie. Demi had to back out because she became pregnant. Penny Marshall remarked that Bruce literally screwed her out of the part. <laughs> uh, during initial development, Jim Belushi was set to play Jimmy Dugan, and Laura Dern was cast in the role of Dottie. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee turned down the role of Dottie, Molly Ringwald was considered for the role of Kit. Paul Newman was considered for the role of Walter Harvey. This is one you'll like. Brian Cranston was considered for the role of Jimmy. Shit. As was Michael J. Fox. And Danny DeVito and John Candy were considered for the role of Ernie Cappadino. That's the John Lovitz role. Right. That's Danny it. DeVito would have done fine. Yeah. Uh, all right. Favorite quotes. I got four. Okay, go for it. Uh, this was another great back and forth between Jimmy and Dottie, and it's where Dottie is leaving with uh, the person we did forget to talk about as we're on the Pullman podcast, uh, her husband, Bill Pullman. Uh, yeah, Jimmy, third appearance on the podcast. Yep. Uh, Jimmy, 
Uh, this is chicken shit, Dottie. If you want to go back to Oregon and make 100 babies, great. I'm in no position to tell anyone how to live. But sneaking out like this, quitting, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Baseball is what gets inside you. It's what lights you up. You can't deny that. It just got too hard. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. Oh, man, that is a good line. I fucking love that line. Number two, obviously, are you crying? Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> I, I like his hesitation on that, too. Like, obviously, the there's no crying in baseball is the famous line. But how he starts it and then just can't finish it in disbelief. Yes. Great great reading by Hanks. Uh, my next quote is actually the song by the Rockford Peaches. Uh, I will not uh, I will not sing it for everybody, so I'll... Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the tune. Me neither. Batter up, hear that call. The time has come for one and all to play ball. We're the members of the... No, like All-American League. We come from cities near and far. We've got Canadians, Irish ones, and Swedes. We're all for one, and we're one for all. We're all American. Each girl stands her hand so proudly high. Her motto, do or die. She's not the one to use or need an alibi. Our chaperones are not too soft. They're not too tough. Our managers are on the ball. We've got a president who really knows the stuff. We're all for one. We're one for all. We're all American. Fantastic. <laughs> I have a big smile on my face right now. I'm so happy you did that. If I could, if I could get the tune, I would have tried to sing it, but I can't. I couldn't hear the tune. <laughs> Uh, and my last quote is the one I actually read to you, the one that actually got to me, and that's from Marla Hooch's dad, Dave. I know my girl ain't so pretty as these girls, but that's my fault. I raised her like I would a boy. I didn't know any better. She loves to play. Don't make my little girl suffer because I messed up raising her, please. Hmm. All right. My favorite quote, while it's not the iconic there's no crying in baseball, it's actually the one I've said first. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't that hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. Yeah, I, I don't have that one written down, but that is a that is a really good uh, exchange between them. Uh, I have three candidates for uh, my favorite quote. Okay. Uh, one is a little throwaway line from Rosie O'Donnell when they're in a bar, I think. She says, let's make like a bread truck and haul buns. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I love me a good pun. Uh, obviously, there's no crying in baseball. Makes an appearance on the candidates. And... Uh, there's a moment at the beginning of Game 7 when uh, Jimmy allows uh, Dottie to play in the game. And as he's walking away, she says, hey, Jimmy. And I instantly, I mean, having watched, if you've ever watched a movie, you know this is the moment where somebody's going, hey, Jimmy, thanks. Except she doesn't say that. She says, hey, Jimmy, you look like shit. Don't you ever shave? <laughs> <laughs> I laughed really hard at that, actually. Uh, I am, as a matter of fact, going to go, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. I don't blame you. It's it's an absolutely spectacular and iconic line. Yes, it is. Uh, favorite scene. I've got six. Holy shisa. Uh Number one, uh, Jimmy and Dottie arguing over signs with Marla dancing in and out of the box. Mm -hmm. I have the telegram scene. The Jim and Dottie goodbye, which is where my favorite quote of the movie comes from. Uh, I'm throwing this in. It's almost like the last part of the movie, but all the girls in the Hall of Fame. Uh, because it really touched me, uh, it's when Dave Hooch and the scout are talking and Marla's doing her tryout in that gymnasium. And then uh, Kit's last at bat in the bottom of the seventh of the World Series. 
I think my favorite scene is Jimmy and Dottie arguing over signs with Marla dancing in and out of the box. <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent pick. I, I only came up with two that I that I really felt were in contention for favorite scenes. I could have come up with a few other good ones, but in reality, it's between two scenes for me. It's either there's no crying in baseball or it's game seven. Uh, and I think even though the iconic line from uh, this movie is there's no crying in baseball, game seven just has so many great emotional beats and is uh, really well directed and edited. So I'm going to go with it. Fair enough. Picking the whole game seven, that's a that's a big chunk, not much of a scene, but more of a... It's it's not that long, is it? I don't know. It's like it's like five. It's, it can't be more than like five to ten minutes. All right. <laughs> it's five. edited. It's edited pretty quickly. It's fair enough. Fair All enough. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Fine. Bottom <laughs> of the seventh. Kip about, blows take... through a stop sign. That's your favorite part. My... Is that is just the bottom it's, of the seventh? It's not my favorite. It's not okay. my favorite. <laughs> it's just the seventh. All right. <laughs> the whole seventh inning. You know what? There's no crying in baseball. That's my favorite. <laughs> All right, the closing credits. Are there any Oscar-worthy performances in this film? I don't think so. I could see a potential for Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, I could. I, and like you said, Tom Hanks was not known as like a capital A actor at this point. This is pre-Oscar Tom Hanks. So I, I could get on board with that. Uh, it's not usually, it's not really the kind of performance that you would see recognized by the Academy though. Hold on. I'm going to check. Hold on. You know what? I bet you, uh, okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) So he would have been, yeah. (laughs) Who do you have? Best actor? No, that, that would have been a supporting. Right. Yeah. Best supporting actor. So the nominees for best supporting actor for the 1992 Right? This is a 92 film, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. Right. Are Jay Davidson for The Crying Game, Gene Hackman for Unforgiven, Jack Nicholson for A Few Good Men, Al Pacino for Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, and David Paymer for Mr. Saturday Night. Hmm. And I've seen all five of those performances, and Tom Hanks ain't touching any of them. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe in a week or year, Oscar worthy. Uh, I probably wouldn't even have him then, but certainly not in '92. Yeah. Uh, do you know who won? Best supporting actor that year? Uh, I don't. Uh, I I don't at all. Hackman. Yeah, for for Unforgiven. Yeah. Which I have seen, if you recall, but only once on your recommendation. I cannot wait to rewatch that movie, man. Yeah, I, I've been waiting for an excuse to. It's oh. a little bit down the line for us, but I've only seen it the one time still. So oh, I, I'm so excited. Uh, I remember telling you that I really liked it, so I must have. Yeah, Although you, I was I was high on my wisdom teeth medications. You were. You did text me. You're like, this movie was so good, and I was yeah. so happy. It was really good. I'm excited to rewatch that one. Uh, uh, any other aspects of the film award worthy? Uh, not that not that I can think of. It's not not a technically brilliant movie. It's not a capital F film like we've talked about. I could maybe see an argument for maybe costume design. Period okay. pieces, right? The, yeah. the the baseball uniforms look to be I, pretty authentic. But I would feel I would feel bitter about that. I can't even disagree with you fully, but I would feel bitter about it just because the costumes are so or the uniforms that they wear are so um 
useless. Like the, the fact that they're wearing skirts on a baseball diamond, obviously it's authentic to the time. And obviously I have no problem with them putting the actresses in skirts because that's what the players wore. I'm just saying I would feel bitter about, I don't know, rewarding that aspect of it because it's stupid that they have to wear skirts on a diamond. <laughs> rewarding the fact that the, it's historically accurate? Yeah. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just bitter about it. Fair enough. What's the weak link of the film? Uh, I don't really know. I, I can't really point to any one thing. The dialogue, I guess, isn't fantastic all the time. Um, I... I didn't really mention this during, but there's there's I didn't get a whole lot of emotional attachment to any one particular girl or, or really any one relationship between the girls other than Kit and Dottie. I, I, I think the supporting cast or rather the chemistry between the supporting cast, I, I felt was lacking just that, like I, I felt like I wanted more. Maybe, maybe saying that it's lacking isn't fair, but I think the fact I don't know if you know this, this is being made into a series, apparently. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that this is being made into a series. I, I might double check on that right now. But that kind of makes sense to me because I would have liked uh, the relationships between the girls just a touch more fleshed out. I'm just going to yeah. check. Uh... Oh, maybe maybe it already was uh, just like a brief sitcom. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. There is one called A League of Their Own TV show. It's in British. It's in Britain. Yeah, there's a League of Their Own TV series, uh, American television sitcom, aired April 10th, 93. Yeah, oh, wow. that, may, may, maybe I read that and misremembered it, but I, I think uh, there's there's a lot to be explored here uh, in the relationships between the girls that I would have liked to have seen, but uh, we're, we're not going to get that. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. The, the supporting the other players on the team outside of... Uh, Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell are given pretty short shrift and not a lot to do. You don't really get much of an emotional connection to them. It's funny. You get more of an emotional connection to Stillwell than you do to some of the other players. Uh, that little kid is a brat and I wanted to slap him in the face. I love when he gets hit by the glove in the face. Fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that that was a weak link. Uh, the dialogue at the beginning I found particularly weak as well. John Lovitz. Yeah. Uh, was this anybody's career highlight? Uh, not not in my mind. Mm. I mean, I guess I don't really know Kit from anything else. I, I'm yeah, not you really do. familiar. What do I know her from? Point Break. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was reading that earlier. But, yeah. I think this could... I don't know. She's more... I don't know. I guess this would be her, uh, this would be her highlight. I'm not really sure. What do you think? Uh... It's possible. I, I also know, don't know if I've ever seen Madonna in another movie. Oh, she's been in quite a few. This is Morgan. not... Uh, she... She's been in Evita, which possibly garnered her an Oscar. No, a Golden Globe. No, who cares? The next best thing swept away. I'm gonna tell you a secret. Never seen any of these. Yeah, yeah. She won a Golden Globe for uh, for Evita. Um, I forgot to mention the uh, the girl that uh, couldn't read. Uh, mm. Character name Shirley Baker. Actor name, Anne Cusack. Uh huh. 
the other Cusack sister. The other Cusack sister. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, the the one that I know the least. Yes. Um, I don't think this is anybody's career highlight. In all honesty, you could, you could, if you wanted to get like technical, you know, some of the someone like Ann Cusack could be her career highlight. But uh, mm-hmm. of the major players, it's definitely not the career highlight. Uh, you you could make an argument for Lori Petty, but I personally think Point Break. But she's not as big a player, so I I, I could one hundred percent see the argument for Lori Petty being uh, this being yeah. her career highlight. That'd be the closest one. Yeah. Uh, who's the MVP of the film? Hmm, that's tough. Um, I I would. I would argue the the two female leads, Kit and Dottie. If like I, I can't really choose one, you can't really have one without the other. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue them as a unit would be the MVP. I could I could be that. I could see Tom Hanks argument mm-hmm. for Tom Hanks. Yeah. But I'm I'm gonna go with you. I, I think it's uh, I think it's Gina Davis and Lori Petty. I think it's the sisters dynamic as the MVP of the film. Yeah. What will be this film's legacy? Apparently, the second greatest baseball movie of all time. No, I disagree. Yeah, that's according to MLB.com. No, this film's legacy is there's no crying in baseball. Yeah, for sure. And apparently, one of the uh, 10 uh, performances of Mr. Hanks that would be on his Hall of Fame plaque. Yeah, 100%. Allegedly. Not allegedly. You signed off on it. Mm, I don't know if I ever signed off. I don't don't remember getting any forms. You signed off on it. I it's did a, not receive. It, I, my forms got lost. You in the mail. verbally signed off on it. I disagree. You could disagree all you want. You can go back and listen to episode ninety-two where you agree with it. Annie, I'm running on like four hours of sleep right now. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, would you watch this movie again? Yeah, definitely. It's a fun one. I would definitely watch it, especially if there happens to be another pandemic that delays a baseball season. Uh, it's it's definitely good for getting your baseball fix uh, when you're lacking. So, yeah, uh, I, I would definitely watch this again. Yeah, I would definitely watch this again. Uh, it, w- it won't be as uh, far between my next rewatch of this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you recommend this movie to friends? Mainly baseball fans, but yes. I'd recommend it to friends for sure. Or, or just, I guess, athletes in general, people who like sports movies. Final thoughts on A League of Their Own, Sam. Uh, a League of Their Own is a perfectly fine, perfectly fun movie. Uh, it did not wow me at any given point. The definite best parts of the movie, as we just said, are the sisterly uh, dynamic and the competitive nature between them. Both that and the performance by Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan, uh, both really funny. Or rather, Jimmy Dugan really funny and and the girls uh, range from funny to heartfelt and everywhere in between. Uh, the baseball scenes are very good. I love the attention to detail of only casting people who can play the game, at least in some degree of competency. A um, lot of hard work obviously went into that, and I got to respect the decision by the director. Um, it, it's not a movie that I felt a large amount of emotional resonance with, even though I said uh, I, I did relate um, with the competitive rivalry between the siblings. I do stand by that. The emotional beats didn't always hit for me um but I, I found a decent amount of enjoyment there's some really likable characters uh it's a, some fun dialogue some not so fun and uh, and a pretty darn good conclusion uh in game seven of the world series i i had a good time front to back um not not my second favorite baseball movie of all time mind you uh, according to mlb.com but 
pretty good movie. One that I would rewatch, especially if I need a baseball fix, which I definitely do right now. Yeah, I had a great time rewatching this movie. It it still holds up. It has some a really great performances from Gina Davis, uh, Lori Petty, and Tom Hanks. Uh, they obviously carry the film. It has a, a very satisfying ending, both with the Game 7 of the World Series and the Hall of Fame part uh, at the end. It's it's a well done, it's a fun movie. I had a great time. If anybody's looking for a baseball fix, it's a great way to go. Sam, give me a rating. I feel confident giving this a three. Uh, it's... I never approached four enjoyment of this movie, I don't think, and I also didn't approach two. It's firmly in, in three territory. Yeah, big easy three for me as well. I, I agree wholeheartedly. It was never even coming close to a four, but never even came close to a two. Easy three. And that wraps up our bonus episode of the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating and a positive review. We will increase the profile of this little, little podcast. If you do, we would love you forever. Thank you for listening to our baseball bonus episode for the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. I'm Manny Manuel. Play ball. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.